0: Say the word "church," what do you think about? Well, when I say "church," what comes to your mind? Many people when they hear the word "church," what they think about is getting up on a Sunday morning, putting on some clothes, they think about sneaking into a building, singing some songs, looking at the back of somebody's head, hearing a message. And leaving out as quick as possible so they don't have to talk to anybody. And that is what, in America, we call church. And God never intended for that to be what we call church. Friends, can I tell you that every church in the world, every church of Jesus Christ in all around the world has one thing in common. Can I tell you that a church can be a church without a sound system? A church can be a church without lights. A church can be a church without video projectors and and screens and smoke. A church can be a church without drums and a keyboard and an organ and and some Congos. A church can be a church without a big stage and a pulpit. A church can be a church without chairs and without carpet and without a great big lobby with couches. A church can be a church without all of that. You see, there's one thing that every church of Jesus Christ must have, and that's love. Every church must be filled with love. Did you realize that we can't fulfill the great commandment by sneaking in and out of church and looking at the back of each other's heads? You see, God has called each and every one of us to be the church of Jesus Christ. And and the way that we are the church of Jesus Christ is we are possessed with love. Here's what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 22, verse 35 through verse 40. One of them, an expert in the law. Notice he was an expert. He knew the law forwards and backwards. An expert in the law tested him with this question. And so this was a test. He's trying to test Jesus. He's trying to pull a fast one on Jesus. Here's the question, verse 36, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And we think about that now in the 21st century, and we have a Bible, and we know the answer to that right there in the Bible. But back there in Jesus' day, I mean, this was a real Test. This was a challenge for anybody to answer. Did you realize that in the Torah, that's the first five books in the Bible. They're in the Old Testament. In the Torah, there are over 600 laws. In the Torah. In the first five books in the Bible, there are over 600 laws. And so, so this expert in the law, he's trying to test Jesus. So Jesus, there's 600 of them, buddy. Which one's the most important? Narrow it down for me on on what's the most important law. And Jesus responds, verse 37. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And to that, the expert on law thinks that's pretty good. (laughs) That's a pretty good answer. I like that, Jesus. Come on, what's maybe the second one, Jesus? And, And Jesus says this. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And if I can just interject in the text, the expert in the law said, Love who? Say Say what? I mean, Jesus, out of all the laws in the Bible, out of all the laws in the Torah, out of over 600 laws, you're telling me that the second most important law is to love my neighbor as myself. Love who? Say what? Yeah, Jesus asked yeah, what it's all about. It's all about love. Now, are you mean, you mean, you mean every law? What about what the prophet said? What about Jeremiah? What about Isaiah? Well, I mean, what about all the prophecies that they gave? What about all the laws and instructions that they have given? I mean, Jesus, come on, what are you? What? Come on, sum it up for me. You're telling me it's all about love. Jesus said, "Well, let me let me address this for you." Verse forty. All the law. Yeah, I know you're thinking about all the law. All the law. I know you're thinking about Jeremiah and Isaiah and and, and Habakkuk, and, and I know you're thinking about all the prophets. He said, "All the law and the prophets." Hang on, these two commandments. Jesus said, "The church." My people, it's, it's all about love. It's about loving God and loving others. That's why the mission statement of our church is to connect people to God and to others. And the only way that we can be the church of Jesus Christ is by loving each other. The only way that we can fulfill the great commandment is by loving each other. So for the next few moments, I want to talk to you about a, a, a church church. Of love, a a loving church. You can follow along with me in your bulletin there. There There's some sermon notes. Point number one is this love can't happen from a distance. It can't happen from a distance. I want to stress this again. We can't come to a building, sing a few songs, look at the back of each other's heads, hear a message, and leave and call it church. Now, we can call it a service, we can call it an experience, but we can't call it church because the church of Jesus Christ is about being together. The church is about relationships. The church is about knowing each other. The church is about meeting each other's needs. And none of this can happen from a distance. And in Acts chapter 2, we see what the church should look like. We see our model of The church, look with me in Acts chapter 2, verse number 41 says this, Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. I mean, the church was growing rapidly. People were being saved. They were being baptized in water. And one day, 3,000 people were added to their number. You say, Pastor, can a large, fast-growing church still be the church where relationships are built and where needs are met? Can that happen in a large Church, absolutely. Absolutely. And we see this here at the church of Jerusalem. Verse 42 says this. How did it happen, pastor? How did it transpire? How did they be the church and not just come to church? Verse 42, they devoted. They were committed. They, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to, to fellowshipping, to getting to know one another, to spending time with one another, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. Notice verse 44. All the believers were together. Everybody shout together. Amazing. 3,000 people saved in one day. We don't even know really how large that church was at that time, but all the believers were together. And I want you to see how much the Bible stresses about them being together because coming to a Sunday service, singing some songs, looking at the back of each other's heads and hearing a message and going back home and doing it again the next week and calling that church is never what God intended for the church to be. And the Bible goes on to say, and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together. It's about being together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. That's our community group ministry. Encourage you to get plugged into our community groups. It's the home plate at people's church. You see, church in the biblical model of church was not just coming to a building and singing some songs. No, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And when they worshiped God together in the temple courts, when they broke bread in their homes and they, and they fellowshiped, and, and when needs were being met, the Bible says this, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Friends, can I tell you, that's church. That's church. See, Pastor, what's the takeaway from this portion of Scripture? Here's the takeaway. God wants us to be a family. God desires for us to build relationships with one another. Over 50 times in the New Testament, the phrase one another or each other is used. We are commanded in the New Testament to love each other. To pray for each other, to encourage each other, to admonish each other, to greet each other, to serve each other, to teach each other, to accept each other, to honor each other, to bear each other's burdens, to forgive each other, to submit to each other, to be devoted to each other. And there are many other mutual tasks that the Bible says for each other, for one another to do. And friends, these are what you call family responsibilities that God expects all of us to fulfill through A local church. And this can only take place when you and I realize that being active in church is more than coming on a Sunday, singing some songs, looking at the back of each other's heads, (laughs) hearing a message, and leaving. Church is more than that. It is about building relationships, getting to know each other. It's about needs being met. It's about growing spiritually together. You see, you can worship with the crowd. But you can't fellowship with one. And that's why we have community groups. And I want to challenge you and encourage you to get plugged into one of our community groups. You can see a list at the table of the groups that we already have. We would love for you to start a group and grow together spiritually with other believers. Some of you, you say, Pastor, I'm not there yet. I'm I'm not ready yet to slip into somebody's home yet. That's why we're launching Wednesday Night Connection. Wednesday Night Connection is a middle-sized group where you can get to know some people. There's going to be Bible studies where you can grow spiritually together. Now, now, that's not the end all. The end all at People's Church is to get you plugged into a community group. And this is just a, a, an avenue to help you to get plugged in, to help you start building some relationships, to help you get to know some people, to help you journey and grow spiritually in God. And so I want to encourage you to get plugged in. Church is not just about coming on Sundays and singing some songs and hearing a message. It's about getting plugged in to the family of God. And we're giving you that opportunity this Wednesday night, would you get plugged in? Number two is this. There's a second thing that I want you to notice. Love requires action. Love requires action. Let's look at a biblical example in First John chapter four, verse seven through nine. The Bible says, "Dear friends." Let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Verse 9, this is how God showed. Everybody say showed. I want you to notice that. This is how God showed his love among us, because love requires action. You see, God did something. He didn't just talk about loving us. God did something. He showed his love among us. How? He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him, because love requires action. You can see it over in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16 and 18. The Bible says this is how we know what love is. How do we know? How, how can we look and say, that's love, that, that's love. Here's what, here's what the Bible says. Jesus Christ laid down his life. He did something. He, he acted He laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Not just talk about loving each other. Love requires action and we ought to, just like Jesus did, lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Verse 17, if anyone has material possession and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear friends, let us not love with words or tongue but with actions and And in truth, friends, when it comes to love, the old saying is very true. Talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. We love with actions. You see, the only way that we can care for each other is by acting. Helping each other takes action. Meeting each other's needs takes action. Helping each other grow spiritually takes action. Action. Loving each other takes action. And let's not be a a church that that we talk about loving each other. No, let's be the real church of Jesus Christ where we do something, where we act, where we care, where we meet needs, where we grow spiritually together. That's the church of Jesus Christ. And you and I, we must get plugged into the family of God. Church has never been about coming on a Sunday, looking at the back of each other's heads singing some songs, hearing a message, and going home. That's never been the church of Jesus Christ. There's a a third thing that I want you to see. Number three is this. Love requires time. Love requires time. There was a man who wanted to prove his love to his wife. He wanted her to know how much he loved her. So he swam the deepest river, he crossed the widest desert, and then he climbed the highest mountain. And she divorced him because he was never home. <laughs> you see, this This old boy tried to show his love, but he just didn't show it in the, the best expression of love. And that's time. You see, love is spelled T-I-M-E. And too often people try to share their life without sharing their time. And that's simply not possible because time, time is the stuff that life is made of. And if we're going to be the church of Jesus Christ, we have to take time for each other. Love requires time. And I do realize that you and I, we're, we're very busy people. I'm busy and, and you're busy. But here's what I know about life. Here's what I know about me and you is that we take time to do the things that we want to do. We, we all do. And can I tell you, we need to be the church. We need to follow the great commandment to love God and to love others. And the only way that we can do that is to take time out of our busy schedules to spend time with one another, to help one another, to grow spiritually with each other. And we're giving you that opportunity beginning this Wednesday night with Wednesday Night Connection. You say, Pastor, I work on Wednesday nights. That's a good reason not to be here. But listen, the end goal is not Wednesday Night Connection. The, the end goal is a community group. Get plugged in. Start one at a convenient time for you that other Christians can come to and fellowship and grow together spiritually and needs can be met. Get plugged in. Take the time to do it. Here's what the scripture says in Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 2. Carry each other's burdens. One translation says, help each other with each other's problems or, or trials or tribulations. Carry each other's burdens, each other's problems, each other's trials. Be there for one another. And Notice what Paul goes on to say, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. You say, Herbert, what is the law of Christ? One word. Love. You say, Herbert, how do we fulfill the law of Christ? Love God, love each other. And Paul says, here, here, here's how you love each other. You don't talk about it. You don't just blow your mouth off and say, well, you know, we're loving each other. No, Paul says, the way that you love each other is carry each other's burdens. Be there for each other. And there's nothing like having a brother or sister in Christ, somebody who knows the Lord, to be there with you in a time of trouble, in time of need. You see, you can have a friend out there in the world, but they'll point you to all kind of different ways. They'll point you here and there. They'll point you to all kind of, uh, of worldly advice that will not have a kingdom and spiritual and an eternal impact on your life. But there, when you're going through a difficult time, when you're going through a trial, and there's a Christian, a brother or sister in Christ, they can lead you to the Lord. They can point you to the Lord. They can encourage you in the Lord. They can be there with you and give you biblical advice. They can give you real eternal advice that will help you out in your time of need. Jesus said, listen, Paul says the way that we love each other and fulfill the law of Christ is to carry each other's burdens. You see, friends, when things are going bad, you need the church. You need the church. Get plugged into the family of God. And friends, when things are going good, the church needs you. Pastor, things are great in my life. Things are great in my marriage. Things are great at school. Things are great at home. Things are great at work. Listen, the church needs you. To carry somebody's burden. To help somebody else out spiritually. Let's not be selfish and keep the blessings of God to ourselves. God has blessed us to be a blessing. Love requires time. I close with point number four. Point number four. Love is a requirement for discipleship. A requirement for discipleship. John chapter 13 and verse 34 through 35 says this. Jesus said, a new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus said this. Notice what he says. The world, when people look at you, when they look at the church of Jesus Christ, they will know that we are disciples of God if we love one another. Notice what Jesus didn't say. He did not say that, hey, people in the world will know that you're the church If you sing good songs, they will know that you're the church. If you preach good messages, they'll know you're the church. If you got cool lights and some cool screens, they'll know you're the church. If you got coffee at your church. No, no. All this stuff is just a tool to reach people. They'll know that we are the church of Jesus Christ. If we love one another, we meet each other's needs we care for each other we're there for each other we carry each other's burdens that's what church is all about did you realize that god has designed each one of us he's wired us to get to be plugged into the family of god just like he's created you the way that you function is by having blood running through your veins, and the way that He's functioned and created you is for your heart to beat so that you can live. That, that's how God designed you. And just like He designed you with that, He's created you to be for, for the family of God. He, he's designed you will never be totally fulfilled. You'll never be totally happy doing life all by yourself and not being plugged into the church of Jesus Christ. There will always be an empty feeling because God has designed each of us to be plugged into the family of God. It's like a car. If you have a car and it has four flat tires, it'll still run, but it won't run right. (laughs) And you can drive a car with four flat tires, but you can't go very fast. You can even turn, but you can't get much speed up when you turn, and you're you're not going to get to the place you want to be very well because that car was not designed to function with four flat tires. Same thing with our life. When we just show up at church and sing some songs, hear a message and go home, and never get plugged in. We're going through life with four flat tires. And we can go. We're not going like God wants us to go. We'll never really fulfill our potential in Christ. We'll never become all God wants us to become because we're not plugged into the family of God. We bought into this American thought that church is just showing up at a service and hearing a song and singing some, singing some songs, hearing a message and going home, and you'll never, never grow to your full potential. But when you get plugged into the church, you build some relationships. The tire gets aired up. You start meeting some needs, a tire gets aired up. You're growing spiritually with other believers, a tire gets aired up. You're you're, you're plugged in and you're making a difference, a tire gets aired up. And you're going through life like you were designed to go through when you get plugged in to the family of God. Lord, thanks for this message.